What's up, fellow gamers? Welcome to the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. We are a show run by three lifelong gamer dads. Today, we are going to be deep diving Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire. This is a huge game to try to tackle. We're just going to get straight into introductions. I am your host, Paul, and joining me, he's traveling around the globe just trying to get a piece of his soul back that was stolen. Unfortunately, it's in the hands of a god that stands about 700 feet tall. It's Josh. Why, why, why does my soul have to get stolen, Paul? I don't, I like my soul. <laughs> You're going to have to fight to get it back, Josh. All right. All right. That's on. 700 foot, 700 foot you said? Uh, that's just my rough guess in playing I'm, this I'm, game. He, he looks about 700 feet tall. Good with anything under 750. So <laughs> Nice. And joining me and Josh, he is currently in a starry-eyed gaze. Every once in a while, he just sort of zones out because he's in the beyond talking to the gods, maybe taking their orders, maybe defying them. It's Michael. I am? I am. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I am here, everybody. I know exactly where I am right now. Was not was not zoning out. I'd like a large <laughs> fry, Michael. Uh, did you want to supersize that? Oh, dang it. Proper down. <laughs> All right, so before we jump into the content here covering Pillars of Eternity 2, Josh, you're going to read us a review someone left the show? Oh, I love reading reviews, you guys. Uh, (laughs) And yeah, hey, if you haven't left us a review yet, take a few seconds, leave us a review. I know a lot of you guys only and girls out there only listen on Spotify. Hey, you can rate us five stars there. That helps a lot. But if you have Apple, you can leave us a written review and there's a very good chance we're going to read it on the show. Just like this review that comes in from balloon monkey 13 and is titled (laughs) one of, if not the best podcasts ever. (laughs) And it says, I've been listening to you guys for around six to seven months now, and never have I been bored by your episodes. I was searching far and wide in an amazing podcast that fed me all of my gaming needs. All three of you guys still stand to make me laugh out loud. Even when I'm traveling, I will listen to you guys because your podcast is so entertaining. I don't know if you guys will see this, but if you guys do, hello! (laughs) There is a P.S., and it says waffles will always outweigh pancakes no matter what. But anyway, the, the rest yeah. of the view is great. I feel like he adds those waffle parts. I feel like I feel like we just talk to each other on this podcast. So I love hearing those reviews that we're actually like making people's day. Like it makes me so happy. It's the point of this whole thing. It really is. Yeah. Thank you so much. What was the name? Balloon Monkey Thirteen. Balloon Monkey Thirteen. <laughs> love it. Great, great just, username. That means there's also twelve other balloon monkeys, guys. Right. They're out there <laughs> they're somewhere. Yeah. Can we get all twelve of them to review us? That'd be great. There you go. Uh, We also owe a huge thank you to two new supporters on Patreon. Every time we have new supporters, we always give them a shout out. Thank you so much to Casmon signing up with Epic Status. We also have Apollo 47 who signed up with Rare Status. And we also owe a thank you to another Patreon supporter because it's why we're covering today's game. Michael, can you give us a little bit of a rundown of how Patreon works and why we're covering this game? Absolutely. So we're what you call an independent podcast, which means we're not funded by Comcast or GE, if you watch 30 Rock, things like that. Essentially, um, you know, how you can support the show, this independent podcast, is you can support us over at MultiplayerSquad.com. You can pledge as little as $5 a month, and we give you something in return for that. If you do that, you get extra episodes, uh, cool Discord perks, extra fun stuff like that. But if you go legendary, and we call you the legend... You don't just get the gold nameplate in Discord, right? You get to pick any game you want for us to play 
for two weeks, and then we do a deep dive on this show of your game of your choosing. And this time around, it was legendary supporter Toro who picked this video game they call Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire. And we are so grateful to you, Toro. It is finally your time to hear your special <laughs> episode. This one's all for you, but appreciate you. Toro's been waiting a while for this. Yeah. He went legendary a while back, and <laughs> we're finally getting around to it. We had a little flurry of legendaries in a row, and uh, this will almost get us caught up. We, we now have another legendary game to play down the road. But we also want to say thank you to our current legendary supporters, Red Letter and Gideon is Lit, along with our epic supporters, Ace of Shame, Yoda, Romelia, Papa Thunderfist, Master Wayne 01, and now Casmon. Yes. So, all right, guys. Ooh. Aethys is wreaking havoc across the land. He's harvesting souls. He's killing people by the hundreds. Let's gather our party and deep dive Pillars of Eternity to Deadfire. Okay, here's the description on Steam. Pursue a rogue god over land and sea in the sequel to the multi-award winning RPG Pillars of Eternity. Captain your ship on a dangerous voyage of discovery across the vast unexplored archipelago region of the dead fire is that how you pronounce the word it's, Ar it's Ar archipelago archipelago, archipelago. There, you go. <laughs> there you go i have oh, to it's tough it, it throws me off every time i see it written and i know i'm gonna say it wrong and i feel like i'm always gonna get it right the second time archipelago sounds much more exotic though it's the archipelago <laughs> yeah it's like air conditioning in spanish is are acondicionado it sounds way cooler it just means like collection of islands, right? Something like yep. that. Yeah, I, I feel so. like that's way too hard of a word to say collection of islands. All right. So one thing that I do want to note here is that since we only have two weeks to play these games, we all three of us have day jobs and we have <laughs> families. So we only have so much time we can devote to these games. We told Toro that he totally understood. We had a goal of at least getting 20 hours of playtime in. So for those of you out there who are hardcore long-term Pillars fans, if you have a thousand plus hours, we might get a couple things wrong here or there. You know, just try to extend some grace. We're going to give it our best. We uh, got pretty far into this game, each and every one of us. And I also want to say that we are not going to get into any major spoilers. We're just going to talk about the structure of the game, what we think about combat, and you know some of the different mechanics of the game. We'll make sure not to share any endgame spoilers. Yeah. So first of all, did you guys ever play Pillars of Eternity 1? I did. I did as well, but not very much. What, what's your story, Josh? <laughs> Same for me. Did you I get it for I, free on Epic Game Store I like think I did? I, that's exactly what happened, man. <laughs> and then I hopped in. I feel like I put like six hours into that game. Um, definitely got a feel for the flavor of it, the combat. There's a lot of similarities between the two. So it was kind of nice to jump into this one with at least a very basic understanding of like gameplay and how the game works and how it's structured. Yeah, and Michael, this was your first foray into Pillars? I got a small confession to make. I was confused Pillars of Eternity with Pillars of the Earth, the book series, and so I didn't know this existed. Oh, see, I always <laughs> confuse this with Paths of Exile, because they they're all P.O.E., yeah, and every yeah, time yeah, I yep, see yep. it, I'm like, wait, which which one are you talking about? Which one's the Diablo? Which one's the RPG? They're, yeah. they're kind of hard to, to keep straight. Yeah, I, I got it for free on Epic Game Store about two years ago. I played a little bit, but since we were running the pod, I couldn't set any time aside to play that game because we were covering our stuff for the show. So I think I got about two hours in and realized it was just going to be way too long to try to play on my own. Uh, so for anyone who's not familiar with the lore and the story of this game, I'm going to give you just a very brief summary. 
Basically, it's a very traditional fantasy RPG. It takes place five years after the first game. You play as a character who is a watcher, which means you can interact and talk to other people's souls. You are on the verge of death because the god of light, whose name is Aethys, is believed to be dead at the end of Pillars 1. In Pillars 2, he awakens and basically is sucking people's souls and killing them. You are on the verge of death, and the god of death, Bareth, comes to you and promises to save you if you will follow Aethys, try to figure out what he is doing, and if you do the will of the other gods. So basically, you take your ship, you build a crew, you make a bunch of choices, change the world around you, and then basically call it a day. So what would you guys think about this story? Did you guys find it compelling? No. No? <laughs> no? <laughs> it's, it's, not, 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 like, it's not bad. The story is not bad. I will say that I found the story to be a little over overdone sometimes. Um, and I'll, I'll clarify that because... You were dealing with a like a god drama dispute thing going on, right? Aethys yes. is wreaking havoc. The other mm. gods don't know what's going on. They basically are like, Aethys has gone rogue. We don't like what's happening. We don't know what his intentions are. And we want you to figure that out and come back and tell us so we know whether we have to like wage war or what he's trying to do. I you know I love mythology man which always deals with drama amongst the gods. The problem the only problem that I had with the story in this game is w- this game does a good job of like anytime somebody is talking you can hover over a word that they say. So for instance, if they say, "Hey, I know who Aethys is." You can hover over Aethys and it will it will pull up like a little description. The problem is the description is like a paragraph. And not only that, it's like, Aethys, God of light, God of love, God of earth, God of water, God of this, God of that. And it's like, dude, just tell me what Aethys is the main God of. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So I did find the story in this game to be a little convoluted. Now, that's not to say I didn't care about what I was doing, but I did take a little bit of issue with like the way that they, I feel like they overcomplicated it. See, I think that I liked the story about, and I don't think this goes into spoiler territory, but you don't necessarily know who the good guy and bad guy is. You're kind of thrown in the middle of this battle of the gods, like Josh was saying. And I thought that was actually very compelling because it did influence some of my decisions with my main character. Uh, to go a little bit deeper into what Josh was saying, though, was this being a direct sequel of the first game taking place, you know, five years after the first game? You're kind of expected to know what happened, except because at the beginning of this game, you start off with this traumatic event and are near death. You kind of get to build into some of the side conversations and bluff a little bit when your companions are like, oh, yeah, what about this? You're like, I don't remember. I was half dead, (laughs) which I thought was a really good way to make it in universe that I haven't played the original game. But if you did remember, you had dialogue choices to say what happened in the first game, which I thought story-wise was a very clever way to make it a sequel flow through for both new and existing players. Yeah, I think this one was a little tough to get going in the beginning, not having played very much of the first. So I think if you jump right into Deadfire, you might struggle a little bit until you get sucked into the story. Um, but I will say there's also a lot of focus on exploration and side missions. So it's not just the main story. The main story in this game is actually relatively short. It's only a handful of quests, but there's a lot of other stuff going along, going on at the same time. All right. Now let's jump into combat. I would say this is a very straight up, very traditional CRPG, which stands for computer role playing game. We've done a couple deep dives on CRPGs in the past. Do you guys agree that this is pretty traditional? Are there any games you might compare this to and how it functions? 
I've only watched people play um, like Pathfinder series, like Pathfinder Kingmaker in those mm-hmm. games, and I thought it looked exactly like that. Except I believe that's turn-based, whereas this you have an option for turn-based as well. Um, but it looked very similar to that series to me. Yeah, I I really enjoy CRPGs. I grew up playing them. It's I, I'm a fan of the genre because back in the day we didn't, you know, consoles didn't have really good RPGs. And so the, the main thing with a CRPG is they tend to be much more in-depth. They tend to be much larger in scale. Um, you really, I mean, if I jump into a CRPG, it's like, hey, this is an 80 to 100 hour game. Like that's yeah. just the expectation. Combat wise, it reminded me of um, Dragon Age would probably be Mm. the closest major game that most people would know about that would say, hey, I've never played a CRPG. I don't know what the combat in this game is like. It's not exactly like Dragon Age. Um, I find that with with this one, it is a little bit more um, kind of micromanaged, I guess, in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, They do offer a turn based mode, but that came later as a patch. So I would say like the Dragon Age games, if you're familiar with like you give your characters orders and then you just kind of unpause, you let them run around and do their thing. Maybe this character is getting wrecked. So you have to pause it, tell your healer to heal that character, unpause it, let everything kind of play out. That's basically the like the gist of the combat gameplay. I think it's weird that it is uh, that you mentioned the turn based. I think this game, as I played it, I'm thinking this would be much better as a turn based game because I played the live action. I think it was almost designed to be turn based originally, but for some reason they didn't go that route. I think it'd be better that way. Yeah, it's interesting that they give you the option because it, I found myself almost turning it into a turn based combat game because I was playing live action with pause and I realized I just had to pause so often that it basically turned it into turn based. Yep. Now the game does have a very complicated AI system where you can set all these parameters. If this character's focus is above this amount and their health is here, then cast this. I felt like it was going to take me 30 hours to program all that. So I didn't want to, I just basically made it turn based in how I played I would say out of the CRPGs we've covered in the past, which would be Wasteland 3 and Divinity Original Sin 2, this is far closer to DOS 2 than it is Wasteland. Wasteland had a lot of humor, and it was a little more tech-based. This game is more straight-up fantasy. You have characters that are casting spells and uh, things of that nature. It's not really like getting mini nukes and and, and rocket launchers like in Wasteland. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now, for better or worse, Pillars of Eternity 2 has about a million options for anything that you want to do. I'm talking the number of classes, the stats, the status effects, what your shipmates are going to eat or drink. There's a million things to choose. This all gets into those little minutiae of an RPG. Since we're on the topic of combat, let's first talk about classes. There are primary classes, which include Barbarian, Chanter, Cypher, Druid, Fighter, Monk, Paladin, Priest, Ranger, Rogue, and Wizard. You might be thinking, that sounds like a lot of classes. And it is. (laughs) But that's not it. (laughs) But there's more. (laughs) There's more. In addition, you can combine pretty much any two of these classes into a hybrid class. They call them subclasses here in this game. This is going to give you things like Berserkers, Ascendants, Life Givers, Hellwalkers, Tricksters, etc. I didn't count them all, but it looks like there's about 60 options that you can choose from. Uh, every not only are there different classes guys every class has its own separate power source so you are using some different kind of resource whether it be rage focus nature 
discipline, faith, arcane, etc. How did you guys feel about the class system? I love good class choices. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's it's something that sets a tone for a game for me, even if I don't know what the heck they do or what they're called. You know, Hellwalker, what is that? Oh, that's what a, a cool name. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I love having cool class choices. Um, this game knows that it throws a lot at you. And so when you are actually leveling up, it will you can you can choose a subclass at that point. Yep. Or when you meet a new character and it's kind of like, hey, what do you want this character to be? Um, it will give you class options, right? And it'll say, hey, do you want to default to this character? We saw that in Divinity Divinity Original Sin 2, where it's like, I don't really need another rogue in my party. I sure could use a caster. And it's like, you want this guy to be a caster? Because he can be. Um, and so this game kind of does that a little bit. Um, I I like that, but the game does tell you, hey, if this is your first playthrough, you probably don't want a subclass. That gets yeah. real complicated real quick in that regard. So I kind of like that they warn first timers. Yes, <laughs> but but the option is there. Or if you're you know replay value playing through as a multi class character or just different classes, I think would add a fresh take on like a second playthrough. I think that one of the things that complements the classes, which first of all, I love the fact there's so many classes for, for this reason. The game also implements that later on down the road, as you, you know, you get companions as you go, you can actually create your own companion and make a brand new fresh from the start. It was really cheap. It was like 1500 gold to make a level six and pick a new class. So at any point in the game, if you don't like what you've got, you can choose another class to play along with, which I thought was really nice. And because of that aspect, I didn't mind that there was so many classes and subclasses and so forth. Granted, I never tried a hybrid because the game made it very clear, like to Josh's point, do not do this if this is your first playthrough. And so I didn't do that. Yeah, it's in all red letters <laughs> when yeah, you get that yeah. new companion. Yeah, so I did the same. I did not do any subclasses, just the basic ones. And you're not just playing this game as one character at a time. You have a squad of five which is kind of big because there are some RPGs where you play as a squad of three, maybe even four. I don't know if there's any games that are bigger than five, but that is a lot to manage. So you can swap your characters in and out. You're going to recruit far more than five over the course of the game. And I I felt like it was sometimes a lot to manage between five characters inventory plus their classes and leveling up. I know I joked with Josh that in one playthrough, all five of my characters leveled and I saved and I quit and I, I loaded the game up and I spent about 45 to 50 minutes just leveling my five characters. Dude. And then I saved and quit. So like I didn't even get into a single fight because this game is very detailed. There's so much you can do. It, that's hilarious because I had the exact <laughs> same situation happen to me. It was late. I, you know, my family was doing something and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to hop on. I'm going to play some Pillars of Eternity too. Uh, I, you know, I had saved right outside like the castle or something. And it was like, okay, this is a good stopping point. Came back the next night. I had about an hour to play before we were going to watch TV or something. I hop in, I see the little glowing plus marks over all my characters portraits. And I'm like, oh, oh, I got, I forgot (laughs) I get to level up. No lie. 60 minutes later and reading a thousand different spells and abilities and these (laughs) sorts of things. It was like, I was finally done leveling up all my characters, picking their skills, assigning attribute points and all that stuff. And then it was like 3 a.m. And then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, well, uh, well, there's my hour. I guess um, I'll like, I'll, I'll play the game some more tomorrow at that point. No, mm-hmm. even I went super simple. I was like, 
I'm going to pick like one one specialty. Like, okay, this person's going to be really good at sneak every time they level. Sneak. And I'm like, okay, the bottom one is some kind of other ability. Nice. Okay, next page, I'm done, right? No, there's another page. Oh, there's another page. Okay, cool. There's another page. You finish all that stuff, a million descriptions. There's another page. Okay, and then times five. Yeah. <laughs> there is. Daunting. Yeah, it's very daunting. That's the best word for it. It it, it can require a ton of research. If you want to min-max stuff and play oh, on yeah. higher difficulties, this game is going to provide that to you in spades. And if you just want to play it a little more casually, then you can put it on story mode and you can play that way too if you want. So I think they try to split the difference for everybody, but I think it's definitely going to work best for people who want a slow, intentional experience where you're doing every decision for every swing of the sword and all of your stats and all of that you can very much micromanage. All right, now for anyone out there who doesn't already know, we would love to connect with you guys over our Discord server. If you don't know what Discord is, it's a free app or you can use it on the website. You can connect with us and other listeners. It's the main way that we communicate with everyone. We also solicit feedback on there. Totally free. Just follow the invite link in the episode description. We'd love to have you guys follow us also on social media. We're everywhere at Multiplayer Pod. Josh has been putting in a lot of work with a lot of content lately. We'd love for you guys to come check it out. Uh, there's so much there to follow. All right. We're going to take a short break and we will be right back. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. All right, continuing with the show here, since we're on the topic of there being a million options for everything you do in this game... Let's talk a little bit about the leveling system and a little bit more specifics. So every time you level, basically you get to put a point into an active combat skill. This might be something like stealth, athletics, arcana, alchemy, something like that. You also put a spell or a spell. You put a point into an inactive skill. This might be something like intimidate, survival, streetwise, diplomacy, something like that. The inactive skills give you extra options in dialogue or they're used to perform certain checks, almost like a dice roll in Dungeons and Dragons. After you choose those, you click next. Now you get a new screen, like Michael was mentioning, where now you get to choose an ability or two abilities, depending on what level you are, to unlock. And also, when you hit level four, and then every three levels, guys, you now choose a weapon proficiency to add <laughs> onto your character. Another it's page. a lot. It's a lot to do. And, and not only that, I created a wizard first. And when I first leveled... I see about 22 spells just available to me in tier one, not to mm. mention tier two on, which you unlock later as you level. Right off the bat, I had a little bit of choice paralysis because I'm staring down 22 spells and some of them like weaken or disorient or confuse. And like there's all these status effects, a million choices. It's a lot to take in. It really is. I I, I played. Two, I had two casters in my group, um, a cleric and a sorcerer or wizard or whoever, whatever the the one of the magic ones. Fireball <laughs> <laughs> wizard. <laughs> yeah. So there's so many class names. Sometimes I get them I a know. little jumbled because it's like, wait, is that a wizard? Is that a sorcerer? Is that a warlock? Which one is that? <laughs> um, but 
I, I, I'll be honest. I love skill trees and builds and things like that. Like to me, that is just a lot. It's almost like a mini game in and of, of itself. So leveling up should be a good time in a, in a game. And it is in this one, but it is daunting. I, I mean, when mm. you have 20 first level spells that you can pick from, maybe that's yeah. an exaggeration. It's probably more like 10 or 12, but it's a lot, man. No, it's, it's about 20. Yeah. And then you can <laughs> pick like one and then it's like, wait, what? I, I, I right. get one of these. How can I make that decision, man? I don't know. And then the other goofy thing is, is that. Some of them are buffs. Some of them are debuffs. And this game has a weird naming system for things like, you know, like standard stuff. Like, it's like, oh, well, this affects uh, faith. You know, I don't even yeah, know what exactly. the, the things what are called. That? But, and then it's like yeah. poise. This affects poise. And it's like all party members get five poise for the next duration. And it's like, well, wait, is what is, is poise strength? Is that dexterity? Is that damage resistant? Like, just call it what it is, man. Or does it change like a, a hit to be a glancing blow or a critical? Yes. There, there, there's a million things for everything. I mean, even if you want to be a magic user, there's weapon proficiencies in rods, scepters, or wands. Yes. If you want to do one-handed melee weapons, there's 12 choices to be proficient. Daggers, battle axes, clubs, flails, hatchets, maces, rapiers, sabers, Spears, stilettos, swords, and warhammers, not to mention all the other weapon types. So when we say that Pillars of Eternity 2 is a big game, this is a game that you have to just slow down and play and sink your teeth into it fully. This is not like a fast food meal. This is that steak that you're going to want to take a bite and chew it a hundred times, squeeze as much as you can out of it before swallowing. Yeah. Status effects. Guys, I, I, I'm not going to read a full list, okay? If you do a search for Pillars of Eternity 2 status effects and find the wiki page, it's probably 6,000 words devoted to all the different <laughs> status effects. I'm only like going to give you a couple. someone got their dissertation off this thing. It's like a full <laughs> PhD yeah. document. Yeah. All right. You ready for this? I'm, I'm not... Yeah. This is only a very partial list. Sickened, weakened, enfeebled, hobbled, immobilized, paralyzed, petrified, staggered, dazed, stunned, confused, charmed, dominated, distracted, disoriented, blinded, shaken, frightened, terrified. You have injuries like acute rash, bruised ribs, concussion, critical injury, fatigue, frostbite, gaping wound, lingering frailty, major injury, maimed, serious burn, smashed hands, which is my favorite, Sprained wrist, (laughs) swollen eye, system shock, twisted ankle, wrenched knee, and wrenched shoulder. And guys, that's only a partial list of the negative statuses. There are just as many positive ones, which even include bonuses if you visit. Um, We're a family-friendly show. I'll just say a worker of the night, uh, which will also give you a various buff. So, guys, this game is all about the details. If you like details, go pick this game up right now. Okay, so on details, I got to go back to the different choices on your skill tree and spells and so forth right so guess which class i picked guys shouldn't be hard uh uh paladin paladins the best class in gaming right (laughs) uh so there's a million different choices for classes in this game and i chose a paladin because i'm like hey sword and board super easy and i get to heal right the paladin million classes and i'm looking at the 20 different skills and spells you've got at level one and then level two and level three they're all it they're all like uh support stuff there's almost no attacks i'm like this is not a paladin it's a cleric and so i was a little bit frustrated with that because as i'm picking i'm picking my one here and there but the passive abilities were really good and so that was nice uh but on weapon specialties real fast how did you guys pick your weapon specialties because i'll tell you how i did it 
Every time I got the weapon specialty, I was like, okay, good. I've got one of those in my inventory. That one's going to work for me because I already have one. <laughs> yeah, I sort of, well, with my initial wizard, I added rod, scepter, and wand because I figure that's right, probably what sense. he needs. But even then, you can like mix things if you want. You can run around with two wands or a wand and a rod or a wand and a shield. So I tried to just like pick whatever I thought was cool. And then just try to ride with it. Like, honestly, to me, I was like, I'm not going to go out of my way to find a certain weapon and then add the proficiency. I'm just going to say, you know what? I think maces are really cool. I'm just going to do mace and shield and roll with it and see what happens. So how did you guys feel about the actual combat system? Did you find it to be fulfilling and enjoyable in this game? It... It was very up and down for me, to be honest. There were moments where I was like, this is a great fight. It's tactical. I'm, you know, I'm, I scrape by by the skin of my teeth. I have two guys that are down, two guys left, you know, and there, there's two enemies and, and it looked grim. And then it was like, I got a couple really good hits in, um, you know, cast a, a spell that landed and it's like victory. And I was like, Oh yeah. And then there were other times where it was just like, I felt like I was watching my ranger just reload their blunderbuss for what seemed like 40 seconds. I'm waiting for gunpowder, Josh. Dude, I'm waiting for my warrior to like swing his sword again. And it's like five seconds later where he's getting ready to swing because, you know, that's one of the mechanics in the game. I've got my rogue who is my main character. And it's like, oh, well, I have to position him around to try to backstab this guy. Wait, are there backstabs in this game? Yeah, there are. Okay. But my rogue is moving past somebody. And then it's like, I accidentally click like one step too far. And then it's like, disengage. And then the guy gets a free attack on me. So it was like, it was this very weird dance of like, there's these really tense moments and awesome victories. And then there's the frustration of like, do something like I feel like I'm poking it with a stick and going, right. dude, move, <laughs> shoot your gun, like quit standing there. <laughs> I, I, I will say some of the classes were far more satisfying than others. So when I recruited Seraphin and he's a cipher and he's doing more mind stuff, I didn't find that to be as interesting. Uh, Adair is just like a straight up tank and and he's fine. I actually really enjoyed spell casting because when the wizards start casting a spell, it's almost like that one scene in Lord of the Rings when Gandalf starts like speaking whatever dark language it is and it, it starts getting <laughs> a little rumbly and echoey. Lava beyond siege! Chanting these Latin type yeah. incantations and then all of a sudden you throw out this giant flaming boulder that's going to roll and it's going to damage everyone it hits. I thought that was really neat. I did also really enjoy the fact that you could use stealth before engaging in combat. So you could try to strategically place everyone in your party. Mm -hmm. Okay, I want my rogue to start the fight here so you could kind of stealth your way around. So I thought that, that it, it did add for good tactics, but I will say, aside from spell casting, all the physical abilities felt a little underwhelming to me. Yeah, the, two two quick things that I can say about the combat is one: I really think this should have been turn based because I, I felt like I was treating it like turn based, like you said, Paul. Pausing it, and I had to mentally figure out: okay, who's on re, who's who's on uh, on man, now? I can't who's even think first? of the word. <laughs> cooldown. Who's on? Yeah, who's on first? Might as well be that. <laughs> What's on second? No, but who's on cooldown? Who's doing what? Pause it for a second, unpause it, and like, oh, that guy's ready now, so I can click on his button. But the one thing that I liked a lot about the combat is it felt very much like D&D &D with the way that crits worked. Most video games, a crit is like, 
you get a small percentage. Like crit chance sometimes doesn't even matter. World of Warcraft, you're like 120% crit chance doesn't really matter that much. In this game, when you crit, you crit hard. And when enemies crit against you, they crit hard. Like I had characters that had great armor and then one hits half health because they happen to roll the dice just right. And I thought that did implement a really nice refreshing thing that you don't see in a lot of video games where you can be a tank and sometimes the enemy hits you just right and you're at half health, which kind of scared me a little bit, which I like in a game when I get scared. Mm. So uh, moving off of combat, because there's just so many other parts of this game, I think maybe my favorite thing about pillars are, I guess what I'll just call scripted events. So as you're exploring the world or doing different things, all of a sudden the game kind of just like transforms into a book where you get a little, uh, like a drawn animation and then you get text. And something is happening in the world and it gives you choices that you get to make and then something will happen after you make some choices. And I thought this was some of the best stuff out in the open world because instead of it just happening real time, this to me kind of felt like a throwback text adventure computer game at times. Almost like a choose your own adventure sometimes. Yes, absolutely. But in a really cool way. Like, do you guys remember... Like any particular examples that you might want to share for how this looks? Absolutely. Or how it works. I was I was sailing and I'm just in the middle of the water and all of a sudden it says you get a knock at your door. And it's my crew and they're like, Hey, do you want to play a game with us? And I had like a couple of choices. One was shove off, one was okay, one was I'll pay you five hundred copper to go away <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and and I, I chose to play the game and it wasn't a game, it's literally just me doing dialogue choices on do I want to aim for the middle or aim for the side of this fox dartboard and the nose of the mouth. And I aimed a couple times and it gave me five morale just from interacting with the crew and telling them, Hey, I appreciate you. When they're like, Hey, what do we, what do we stand for? And I'm like, we stand for whatever we want to stand for as long as we know that everyone has a part of the ship and everyone has an importance. Like, and they liked that. It was great. I, I really enjoyed this system, to be honest, because it pulls you out of that isometric view where you're in the world, and it, it almost makes it more personal in a way. I, I joke about it being a choose-your-own-adventure, but that's kind of the feeling I got, is it's like, hey, you're presented with this situation. How do you want to respond? And they go a little bit above and beyond that sometimes. There's this hidden underworld in the main city that you can access, and I, you know, it's it's kind of like a side quest uh, for like some of the faction stuff that you can do. And it's like number one, you have to figure out how to locate this place, and then once you locate it, you can <laughs> go there, and it's a real it's real part of the game, and you know, it's back to the isometric view. But one of the cool things is like you have to talk to these people, and they have to give you clues on how to find this place. And so when you go there. It literally pulls up, the, it goes into that storybook setting and says, you are looking down a dark passage and it branches off to the right and continues straight. What would you like to do? And I'm like, oh, well, the guy told me to take the first right. So it's like, go right. And then it's like, you turn down the path and now the path continues straight or it turns to the right again. And it's like, so now I'm like and doing this And you see some maze. light in the yes, right, but you right. also see a gas coming from yeah, straight Yeah, or it's ahead, like you hear voices like coming from your left. They're distant and, you know, whatever. And it's like, it's a very neat storytelling mechanic that I really enjoyed. It just, it's a nice little like flavor changer for the, for the main game. And I, I found them to be really enjoyable. So let me tell you about my favorite one. All right. I don't know if you guys ran into this well or not, but there's a well relatively early in the game. And I see that it's got a rope hanging on it. And so I threw a pebble down the well and it says after about a second, you hear a plop. So I have my main character hop on the rope and climb down and he sees a bag of gems. 
Well, what I didn't know is it was going to do like athletics checks, which my wizard <laughs> yeah. didn't have any. So I start trying to swing and I grab the bag of gems, but it catches like a jagged edge and it rips open and half the gems fall and start falling. And it tells me, do you want to reach out and try to catch the gems or just hold on to the remaining? And of course, I was like, I know exactly what's going to happen, but I can't help myself. <laughs> I reach out for the gems and it says... Not only did you not catch those, you fumble and you dropped the entire bag. All the gems fall into the well. You climb back up and and now you have nothing. So there's just little things like that in the world that I think really flesh it out and make it feel like you're making actual decisions in the game. You're not just walking from here to there and now fight the boss. There's little moments like that along the way. There's even like an entire area around a lighthouse where you can actually like sneak your way through by swimming through these different areas and working your way around enemies. It's very clever how they build that into the game. It's not in the combat, but sometimes it does impact combat as far as like where you're going to be in the world, which is very neat. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the overall world map. So you can travel by boat or by foot if you're on land and when RPG worlds are are fully fleshed out like this, I always really love it. So basically what you can do is if you're in your boat or if you're on the world map, you can just kind of explore and go wherever you want. The game does keep a list of all of your known locations. So if you know, I want to go back to Port Mahe or however you pronounce it, it's on your list. You click it and your ship will automatically course and, and get there. But if you just want to go off on your own, maybe you see this island has like a statue and there's something going on here. You can just go check it out. And so when it builds things like that into this kind of RPG, again, I think it really adds to the immersion and it makes you feel like you're actually exploring a real world. It's not just go to the next area, boom, you're there and now you fight and you leave. It's actually pretty interesting how they add this into the game. But at the same time, There's also an element of naval combat because there's a lot of other ships that are out in the seas and sometimes they might come attack you or you can choose to go attack them. Like, did you guys get involved in any naval combat while playing? Yeah, I I did do naval combat one time on the boat and I could not figure it out. It was literally a book, like the storybook, and it says, like, the other enemy turns to starboard. I'm like, great, turns to starboard. I'll close the distance by 50 meters, right? And you have choices between turn left, turn right, close distance at full speed, close distance to half speed, man the cannons, all that stuff, or man your stations. I couldn't figure it out because every time I man my stations, I'm like, okay, is that how I shoot? How do I shoot at them? And I'd man the stations and it would shoot twice because I guess on that side of the boat, I had two cannons and I missed three fourths of my shots. So finally, I just went and said, board the stinking ship. And so every time I did naval combat now, I just boarded the ship and just fought him that way because I could not figure out the boat combat. I was so disappointed that the naval combat was through those scripted events. Yeah. yeah. I thought for sure I was going to be controlling my boat and moving it and clicking uh, like on a spell bar or something. And the fact that it was purely storyboard, I found very disappointing. It is. It was disappointing. I get like you don't have to flesh this ship combat out like you know Assassin's Creed Black Flag or anything like that. Sure, but just shoot two cannonballs, man. Make it a little arcade mm-hmm. game or something. I mean, you are actively sailing in this game. You are exploring, and the way you get there is through your ship. You know, and so and you'll see other ships around, and sometimes they're traders, and sometimes they're pirates, and you know, you've got places you're trying to get to. The I. 
like we just bragged about how much we enjoyed like the storybook thing, but man, for naval combat, that just that's doesn't, not where to do it. It just there. doesn't work, man. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was a, it was it was a kick in the gut a little bit to be like, oh oh, this is what this is. <laughs> like okay, I mean, make it a game of worms or stratego, anything but this. Something. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, very first naval combat, me and the other ship got stuck in a cycle because I only had cannons on the starboard side. And (laughs) apparently the other ship did too. So both of us kept saying, turn port side. And we just kept like going back and forth. And so like nothing was happening. And I did what Michael did. Where finally I was like, all right, we'll just charge the other ship. And then you you actually get to fight like normal. But yeah, naval combat is weirdly underbaked compared to everything else in this game. It, it's it, not it weirdly the, underbaked. It's dumb. Yeah, it, it, it's dumb. I was very <laughs> disappointed. It was the most disappointing part of this game for me. All right. Now, it wouldn't be a good RPG if choices didn't matter. There are tons of endings. There's about a million things that can happen. This is the kind of game where once you're done, you get an update on what happened to all of these different characters. So there's a ton of choices you can make. Is there anything in particular that kind of stood out in that system or anything you guys want to speak to? Anything you found funny or interesting with choices? The one thing I can say about the choices is this is the first true RPG game where I felt like there was there was so many dialogue options, but there was always truly one that I wanted to do. And I knew that these different dialogue options actually meant something. Because when I was talking to a companion, it would give me several that were like, you ever done a personality test that they all look like they're kind of the same thing, but they're mm-hmm. slightly worded differently. And you would just say this, and then you could tell because you get like morale points or whatever with that companion. I loved the fact that there were so many choices because in most games, you're like, that's confusing. There's too many. You knew that every single little thing mattered. And no matter how insignificant, I guarantee it affects your slide cards at the end of the game. Just because this game really thought that out. It seems like it was really well baked. I uh, (laughs) might have gone on a little bit of a murder spree. (laughs) I think he's like crazy about murdering. This game does allow you, this is, I, I really enjoy this with RPGs because it's like play how you want to play. And this game has a lot of dialogue. And I, there was some guy, I'm, I'm in the underworld part of the city. I kind of enjoyed that part. It was CD and there's all these different characters down there and stuff. And it's like one guy wants me to go talk to this guy because he's not paying him the money he's owed and stuff like that. So it's like I go over and I talk to this guy and this dude gives me lip. And I'm like, oh no, you're going down. <laughs> and it's a shop. It's literally a merchant in the game. And I'm like, dude, you don't talk to me that way. And I attacked him and I killed him and all of his guards. I looted his body. I looted all of his guards bodies. I robbed the heck out of his store. And I go back to the guy that was like, that sent me there. And he's like, I, I heard that you killed en- Enzio or that's whatever the Erezio or whatever the guy's name was down there. <laughs> and it's like, I was like, yeah, I did. You told me to solve the problem. The guy's like, well, that's one way to do it. Here's your reward. <laughs> And I was like, whoa, like I didn't break the game by doing this. And so this is one of those games where you can you can do whatever you want. You want to try to fight the queen of the city and and wipe out her whole royal court. You can try. And if you do, you're not going to break the game at that point. No joke. I have another example that goes exactly with yours right now. Same guy, same merchant. I went and used my diplomacy, and he backed down and gave me the money, right? As I'm walking back through the Undercroft, or whatever it's called, the Underbelly, I go back later on, and I run into a random assassin down a dark hallway, and he's like, hey, 
do you need anyone that needs killing? And I'm like, yeah, that guy, because he gave me a lip, and I paid the assassin to kill him after I already got the money from the uh, from the quest giver, just because I didn't like the way he gave me lip. So many choices. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, another option for stuff like this, you can kill characters as opposed to letting them join your crew. Like, I remember <laughs> the, probably the, the funniest thing that I saw in this game, because this game, I, I don't want to say it's humorless. There are occasional funny dialogue options, but the game itself is very serious for the most part. But at one point, I was told, hey, there's some people researching souls up on the roof of this building. Go check it out and help them out. And I go and I start talking to the first person and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm tinkering with this Audra and some copper. And my dialogue choice was, well, I don't know what you're doing, but I know that you're dangerous. And then it said attack in parentheses. (laughs) And so I had just saved the game. So I did that. I wiped them all out. Well, it turns out that it's Edwin who you can invite to be part of your party. (laughs) So like there's stuff like that in this game where if you don't talk to the right person or if you don't do that quest or if you, you know, don't even want to let them join your party, you have those choices. Yes or no. And sometimes that'll also change how your party members think of you or how they think of each other. So all of that builds into the game as well. Um, all right. Well, we're going to take a, a, a one last short break here and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about everything else that we left out and then jump into our regular segments. Okay. Now that we are back, what else do you guys want to talk about? Let's all pick like one thing maybe that we didn't cover so far on the show. I, I'll mention because Michael touched on it. I thought this was one of the coolest things in this game because th- this guy's, I don't know. I think he's like 10 to 12 hours into the game. And you get into the this place called Delver's Row. That's the, like the hidden area under the city. And I've got all these quests going on. And I'm like, dude, there is just so much going on in this game, man. Like, And I find this assassin whose name is Rust. And he's like, do you need me to do anything? Like, you can hire me <laughs> for special events or something. You know, he's being the whole sneaky thing. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And I had this quest where I had to go to this island, rob this tribe of this this conch of waves uh, shell, I think is what it was called. And and then bring it back to this guy. Cause he was then going to help me do one of my missions that I needed to complete. And th- I'm like, yeah, I do. And one of the options was, I need you to go get this con this conch for me from this Island. And yeah. this is a full fledged side quest that I could have easily spent an hour or two doing. And the guy was like, yeah, I can do that for you. It's going to cost you that. And don't get me wrong. It was pricey, but he's like, okay, come back to me tomorrow. And no lie, I came back the next day and the guy hands me the like the <laughs> side quest item. And I was just like, that's freaking cool, man. Yeah. In a game that's a hundred hours long, the fact that I can skip some of this stuff if I want to, so that I can kind of just progress and see what happens, I thought was a really neat feature. Just goes into the immersion. These people really thought about making this game immersive, that you're really in this world and you can make so many choices that your character would want to make. Which I love. Um, the only thing that I want to touch on as far as the, the, the last piece is I just want to complain real fast. We're not talking about time as a mechanic, but there is one thing that just drove me nuts. My crew was always starving and their morale was all, their morale was always low. I feel like I spent half of my 21 hours in this game buying food and at least a third of my money that would just up my crew's morale. And I just, it was just drive me crazy because and, and especially if you're at sea, it goes like crazy. I had 150 food items. I went and spent like 13,000 gold on 150 plus three morale food. I sailed, no joke, for a half an hour. It was all gone. 
And I was like, why is this a mechanic? This is just too much. So I just wanted to complain about that real fast. I did find out later, though, that if you actually go and engage pirates and, and, and kill pirates, it does much more to your morale than food would ever do. But I didn't know that oh. until I paid the 13,000 gold price. Dude, winning a ship fight, like, I, my crew had one morale. Cause in the beginning, th- this <laughs> is gonna, this is gonna leak into the one thing I was gonna share, which is the inventory system. But in this game, you can have as much food and water in your inventory, but if you do not click and drag it under ship management, no one on your crew is eating or drinking anything. Right. So I had a crew that was mutinous, and then I just, I got into naval combat, and I think it gave me like 30 morale. If memory serves, yeah. like nothing will raise the morale more than winning in combat in this game. But the inventory system I found to just be sheer overload. Oh man. I uh, apologies to DOS 2 for as much as I love in that game. It has exactly the same problem. You open up your inventory and you've got 7,000 things. I don't know what they are based on the pictures. I have to mouse over a million things to try mm-hmm. to sell or parse out. I have to click and drag. 14 different food options for my crew. I've got fresh fruit. I've got hardtack. I've got all these other kinds of meat for drink. I've got grog. I've got juice. I've got water. I've got all these things. And you've got to manage so many things in this game. I found it to be just so hard to sort through. And goodness gracious, why is right click on items, not equip? It gives you a pop-up with an explanation of that item. And if you right click something twice, it puts a second pop-up window on top of the first one. It's really bad. (laughs) Why can you not just right click a crown and, or a a hat or whatever, and it goes on your head. That to me drove me wild. The inventory in this game was just a little much for me. It was a lot much because not only did you have uh, 500 different food items, that's not counting the crafting items. Right. And so you've got right. leaves and mushrooms and I I mean legitimately there's probably 50 different things mixed in my inventory and I like to just see the all view and yes they do have tabs but it's inconvenient to have to click all these tabs to like filter everything and it's like yeah. why I have so 50 different cats. things of food I have 50 <laughs> different things for crafting I have I have 18 different types of armor all of which are garbage you know, it was just like, dude, it, uh, it really, it was not done well. Well, and then I don't even know how this happened, because the first half of the game, everything that I looted was going into my group inventory. And then all of a sudden, like, halfway through the game, I go somewhere, and I'm looking at something. I, I come across my personal inventory, and there's things in there. But randomly, it just started putting stuff there. It didn't do that before. So now I've got all these other items in each individual person's inventory that have no rhyme or reason on why they're not class-specific. I have no idea why they're there. It was so confusing. All right. So going into our remaining segments for the rest of the show, how about some hot takes? Ready That's hot. Yes. Ooh. We just did mine. My hot take was this is the most complicated and awful inventory system I've ever seen in a game. Maybe it's not a hot take since it's all there, but I guess I guess throwing the gauntlet out there and actually saying it made it a hot take, but there we go. <laughs> my I do remember in DOS 2 checking my inventory and having like severed rat tails. I don't remember seeing anything quite that bad in Pillars of Eternity, but I feel like <laughs> I feel like there's a couple RPGs that haven't quite figured out inventory systems. Uh, my hot take is I think this is the most disappointing main quest line 
of all major RPGs. I'm talking either popular or critically beloved. The main storyline in this is perfectly fine. I don't think it's bad, but I think that this game excels far better as it's just like an RPG immersion world that you can live in as opposed to taking on this main quest line where you're following Aethys, you figure out what he's doing and you can make some choices at the end. I didn't find it to be ultimately terribly compelling. So that was kind of my hot take is, is for a game that's beloved by many, I think it really shines outside of the main storyline as opposed to completing it. Yeah. I get what about that. you, Josh? What's what's your hot take? My hot take is I'm trying to get a little bit more bold here. Um, my hot take is this is the most complicated RPG I think I've ever played. Yeah. Um, and and that, I, now don't get me wrong; that is not necessarily a bad thing. If you want mm. a a world where you can just discover a gajillion different things, if you want a deep, and I mean deep dive the lore you can hover over all these words that they highlight and you can probably read a novel's worth of backstory and lore and 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 culture and all this stuff um you know and so i don't mean that as a negative necessarily but the hot take is i don't think i have played and i have played a lot of rpgs in my day that is more complicated than pillars of eternity dead fire it's almost like it's what they were shooting for like, let's make this as tactical and complicated as possible. And for the people who like it, they're going to absolutely right. love it. I think mm-hmm. if you play this game for three to four hours, it's not going to change a whole lot beyond that. I mean, you'll learn the systems better, um, but the game does not give you a lot of quality of life. There are no quest markers anywhere. You have to open your journal, read, figure out where to go, you know, things of that nature. It is very complicated, but if that's your thing this will be your all-time favorite game. I have yeah. I have no question there are tons of RPG players who say this is my favorite game of all time. I get, I'm yeah, sure there's a lot. Honestly, Listen. because there's so much to dive into. Yeah. All right, well, let's go into community reviews. Josh, what do the people think of this one? All righty. As we always do, you've kind of heard how we break down the game, and we always pull some reviews from the community to just kind of give some different perspective on things, some good, some bad, that we can kind of know what jives with people and what doesn't. So this first one comes in at 260 hours on record, and it says, yeah, I stole the Kraken's Eye inside the Kraken's Eye Inn. Then I went to the innkeeper to ask him why it's called that. He was sad and mad and said someone stole the eye. <laughs> it made me save scum. It made me care. It's a good game. I this, love attention to detail like this that. This is that freedom of choice that we talked about where you can legitimately do anything you want in this game. And that's such a cool feature in an RPG. But this one made me laugh because I remember the Kraken's eye and it was it's just funny. Um so this next one is recommended. These are two short ones, so I pulled an extra one here. Uh, 40 hours on record, and it says, Solid game. Lots of dialogue choices with freedom to do whatever you want. Don't like that mouthy NPC giving you a quest? Kill him and take his loot. I spend <laughs> most of my time pirating at sea and collecting all the stray cats in the world. I have 10 cats so far, plus some dogs, so many. an imp, and a ghost pig. Dude, so many cats Dude, in this game. You can game. collect I, pets in this game. Yeah. All these sure cats can. running around the city and you just go up to them and you're like, my cat now. And you shove them in your backpack. Yeah. and they, But they give you like, you can have like a pet active and it gives mm-hmm. you perks for the pets that you have. 
All right, this next one is not recommended. Uh, 16 hours on record, and it says, draggy, lengthy storylines, too much dialogue sometimes between the characters. Can't this game be made simpler to be played? Gameplay is fine, but there's not much help with tutorials, and most of the time it's frustrating trying to figure out what's going on with everything in this game. A lot of unnecessary details which can be removed to make this game more enjoyable for players who just want to enjoy a simple RPG game. They're not wrong. This that that's why mm-hmm. that's a hundred percent. I picked this review because the complexity that is in this game is going to be off putting for some people. When I was getting ready to leave for the Ashen Maw to follow Aethys there, right before I left, when I completed the mission, right before that, I want to say I spent about twenty to twenty five minutes reading dialogue and making dialogue options before I actually got to play again. And I don't mind games that have long cutscenes or a lot of dialogue options, but there was a couple times playing where I thought, okay, this is just going on a little too long. I I get it, but I'm not reading a book. I'm trying to play a game, and this is crossing a little into too much reading. Uh, I can can empathize with that a little bit it's pacing you know what i mean don't don't interrupt the pacing of a game so much that it's like dude i I just want to play the game now you know so all right and then this last one oh wait no no not last one we got one more after this so this next one is not recommended uh 16 hours on record and it says this game has way too much stuff to do it's overwhelming it's too much open world after you leave like the starting island there's too many places to go i went straight to this major (laughs) port city and there's way too much for me to do here way too many (laughs) people to talk to and they all have so much to say there's multiple maps just within the one city it's a lot it's a lot that's (laughs) true yeah kind of yeah you know and so for better or worse yeah honestly okay and then this last one is recommended 75 hours on record hours one through six i'm not a pirate i'm a noble fighter ranger from the living lands out to stop a mad god we are six through (laughs) twelve i'm not a pirate I'm a freaking bounty hunter. Those people have done mm-hmm. wrong, and I must bring them to justice. No, mm-hmm. I don't know what they did, and no, I didn't ask. Hours 12 plus, yar, I'm a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I thought I was going to get a shortcut in the game by choosing to fight someone. So previously, I said, my beef's not with you. Just let me through. I'm on a mission. And they said, sure, you can go through. And finally, it got to like the end place. And they're like, before you get past here, you got to go get this other item in another part of the map. And I was like, no, we're just going to fight. And then I just straight up (laughs) murdered them. And then it turned out you had to go get that item anyway. I don't think I was reading the dialogue (laughs) closely enough. So then I still had to backtrack and do it anyway. But oh, so funny. You thought you were saving time, and then you caused yourself a faction problem. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I just murdered some innocent people and then had to still do all the same stuff. Right. All right, so th- that's some of the reviews from the community. Now we're going to play a little game that we always do on our deep dives, where we try to guess the actual overall rating of a game. So we use the Steam rating, which is the scale of 0 to 100 in a percentage, and just kind of try to guess where we think this game ends up as far as like all the all the reviews. I don't want to play. Oh, Michael won play. last time. Yeah, <laughs> I don't Michael. Wanna, I don't want to play. Michael won Steel Rising. We all remember. Yeah, yep, absolutely. My, so, Michael, my, you have to pick first. <laughs> my guess is one. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'll, I'll actually guess. Um, please, please don't be right. Please don't be right. Uh, I, I have integrity, so I actually have to give this a shot. I feel like 
Uh, I feel like this is one of those games where people who love it are going to be very vocal and are going to review this game. I feel like people that hate this game are going to be very vocal and are going to hate this game. That being said, I think most people probably thought the game was all right and pretty good. Um, so I, I don't want to put it in the 90s. I can't. Uh, I, I'm going to go high 80s. Let's just go round number 88. Okay. Right. 88 for Michael. Please, Josh, please is this when we say one and two? Yeah, right. <laughs> Let Michael win. <laughs> please lose. <laughs> my my immediate reaction was 90. That's what I put down. I think being a sequel, most people who buy it played and liked the first. I yeah. think it's going to be pretty high. I think the complication is the only reason that it's going to bring it down a little bit. So I'm going to say 90. 90%. And I guessed 84%. I thought it was probably going to wind up in that, like, this is a good game, but it's not for everybody type game. Uh, our winner and returning champion is Michael. Uh, all right, that's the, all we have the, time for today, the, folks. I want to thank you guys for watching. All right, uh, happy gaming. The actual score was eighty-seven percent all-time oh, Steam reviews. Ooh, so close. I got it close. Yeah. Too. So Michael, let's see if 90s. you uh, if you expected to win this one. Why don't you uh, go ahead and take us into our next segment, buddy? Hey, Barath, I must be hunting treasure because I'm digging you. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I'll take it over last time. I, okay. Thank you. I'll take it. I went. I'm a pirate theme because I went more pirate in this game. So and I, I listened. I was, to I was gonna throw in a Juana reference, like Juana, go on a date. <laughs> oh, I like That'll that. Work too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, tell us about this segment, Michael. All right. So this next segment we call "Make Love, Marry, Murder." It's essentially our ranking system, not a ranking system, but a rating system. So, uh, "Make Love" means the game was all right. Everyone should maybe play it and check it out. You know, it's not one of those games you play forever. That's what Mary's for. Mary is a game that you are going to stick to. You replay it every couple of years because it's one of your all-time favorites. You put it in your top 20 every time you're at one of those parties and you talk about all your top 20 games. And then murder means, hey, this game sucks. Don't play it. I think that's about right. There we go. That's about right. Yeah. So, Michael, since you're already talking, let's let you go first. What would you rate this game? Man, I feel like this game, it's... There's really no make love. It's because it's such a commitment. Like, you either have to marry this game or you have to murder this game. That being said, I am making love to this game, which is so weird. Uh, because I think that, you know, it's that it's not, it's not an expensive game. You can find, I think we found it for like $3. Like, it's normally around 20 bucks, but you can find it out there for around $5 if you want to look at like GOG and stuff like that. Full but price is like, 40 and you can buy it far, far cheaper. Yeah. And so here's my reasoning for this. Ultimately, um, I loved the choices that you got. I, like I said earlier, rarely do I play an RPG where I really feel like, my dialogue choice is listed. What I would want to do, I played Lawful Good in this game, except for that one murder thing, which I just thought was funny. Uh, so I did it. Um, and I thought that was great. So I love the fact that Truly it very, is very immersive. The choices were incredible. Everything you do seems to matter. That being said, uh, main story, even though I was compelled by it, when I did look and find out, because today I was talking about progress with Paul, and he was like, oh, you're like towards the end. And I was like, no, I just barely started this story. And then I realized I was actually halfway through the main story when I looked at a list of quests. I'm like, that's far too short for a game that you can spend 200 plus hours in if you really want to. Um, and also the inventory was absolutely terrible. And one thing that really made me kind of gripe about it is that storybook thing we talked about earlier, right? When you actually look and you've got, you know, the different, the choose your own adventure type thing. 
all of the main story stuff also used that. You never actually saw the gods in the first 20 hours of the game. You never got to see any of that. It was you talking to all these like main story things that I feel like could have been cutscenes maybe, but there were no cutscenes. And I'm thinking if I wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons, I would play Dungeons and Dragons and not have to read all of this. I'd like to see it because I'm playing a video game, which to me worked great in the side stories, but not in the main quest line. And I, I just can't marry it, even though I really liked the game. Those those things were just too much for me. So it's a, it's a pretty mid-range make love to me, like right in the middle. I'd like to continue it, but I'll never play it after I beat it. What about you, Josh? I found uh, this is th- I was up and down on this game to be honest with you. I there were times where I really did not like the complexity. I I'm a fan of CRPGs which by nature mean they're more complex than just a normal like console RPG or something like that. I I just I found that it was almost a little too much at times and I I kept asking myself, like, why? Why are you putting in all of these links that I have to hover over to find out that this god is the god of 18 different things? Like, why can't he just be the god of something? You know, um, the names for the different factions and the races and the uh, none of that made sense to me. They weren't memorable or anything like that. So there was a lot of times where I just kind of went, I don't get it. Like, why are you doing this? But then there were other times where I'm like, this is a really good RPG, (laughs) you know? And so it's there, there, I was very up and very down on this. The game is beautiful. I like the settings. I like the scenery. I'm not a fan of the you know, uh, the pause, the action type combat. I'd rather it be turn-based. They added that later on. I did not play the turn-based because everything I read said this really slows the game down a lot. And I wanted to make sure we could get through as much of the game as possible to talk about it. So I went with the real-time pause, the action combat. Um, so for me, it's a, it's a make love. I, I mean, I have to recognize that this is a really good RPG I, I have to recognize that for a lot of people, this is going to be an easy marry for them. I yeah. just, I find for my personal taste that there's better ones out there. Um, this to me is like, I want to be DOS 2, and I'm not. Um, you know, and so I have to compare it to like some of the greats as well, but that doesn't take away from the fact that this is a very good video game. So for me, it's a make love. Yeah. For, for, me comparing it to DOS 2 kind of makes a lot of sense. I think DOS 2 just does everything better for my personal preference. I find the combat to work better. I think the storylines are more interesting. I like the companions a lot yeah. more in DOS 2. This game, your companions, they're all right. I like Dare a lot. I thought he was a really yeah. fun tank to roll with. Uh, But for me, this is going to be a make love. I will say, I think I played this about the worst way possible for for me and my gaming takes i think if this was a game that i just bought and i wasn't doing this podcast and i just played it for an hour a day just casually over time i could see this being a game that sucks me in for a full year where i just still dabble in it and i play it and i want to get dlc and all that but because i had to truncate it And there were times that I was forcing myself to play, like, I got to get a couple hours in today, and I got to get a couple hours in tomorrow, and it started feeling a little too much like work. And so I think if I had played it differently, maybe it would end up as a make love. I I do think this game is DOS 2 adjacent. I think it's definitely worse, but that's only because it's too detailed for me. DOS 2, I think, finds like the the pendulum is a little more in the middle. If you're more detail-oriented, you might prefer this one, but... 
I'm going to say make love as well, which is weird because I think we're all saying the same thing. You're going to yeah. play it a hundred plus hours or three and quit. There's not yeah. a whole lot of like 20 yeah, that, hour honestly, people. I think that's, that's yeah. hitting the nail on the head right there. You're either you really going to get sucked in or you're going to go, this isn't really my cup of tea. Right. But yes, go try it, right? Buy yep. a steam key on a third party website for $6 you very well might Honestly, find your favorite game of all time. One. You can get the first one for free a lot of times. And I, you Good know, call. there, there are different ones, but this game is very similar to the first one, at least what I played. Now, again, I only played about six hours in the first one, but every, it's all the same. It's the same mechanics, the same story, like the flavor. It's still pizza. You know what I mean? Some and, of the you, same characters. Right. Too. Yeah, exactly. And so I would say dive into the first one, give that a shot. Cause usually you can pick that up for free or like a buck. If you find that you like it, this one, by all accounts from from most of the reviews and people, say this is a good one. Like the the second one's better. I would say though, here's a cool thing about that. To Josh's point, go do that because if you love it, you can import your character, which is the same character you play in the sequel, to the sequel. So if you love it, play the first one, get the second one, import your character, more of the same. Yep, there you go. All right. Well, guys, we only have one more segment. Let's go to our leaderboard and see where this game stacks up. All right. If this is your first time joining us on a deep dive, we have an overall master leaderboard. Every time we finish a deep dive as a three person consensus, we have to figure out where does this game go? Is it going to fall into our top 10? Is it going to be down in the middle? Is it going to be all the way on the bottom? We currently have a list of 92 games that we have done deep dives on. If you want to take a look, the full list is at MultiplayerPodcast.com. Just scroll down a little bit there on the main page. We've got some stuff in here like uh, Disco Elysium at number 5. We've got Hearthstone at 16. We've got Near Automata at 33. Further down the list, we got some stuff like the Saints Row reboot at 59. We've got Phasmophobia at 71. Uh, we've got First Spoken at 81, and so on and so forth. <laughs> so looking at this one being three make loves, I'm guessing we're going to be somewhere kind of in the middle third, maybe. I've been uh, there's Ish. two games I, I've been I've been really trying to prepare for this part. I, I even cheated before the show and started peeping at the leaderboard, uh, which is on our <laughs> website by the way, multiplayerpodcast.com If you want to check it out, there's two games that are jumping out to me as like comparison type games. One is Fallout New Vegas at 31, and then the other one is Lost Ark at 43. Mm. I, in my brain, I kind of want to compare aspects of this game with both of those. Um, so. My brain says it's somewhere in that range. That's so funny because my brain is putting it at 35. Okay. okay. Which is a little which bit is, further which down. Is kind yeah. of in, which is kind yeah. of in between those two. I would rather play this. Than, I'm looking down. I'm like, this is a lot like Lost Ark, but Lost Ark kind of sucks now. Didn't I, I was the lowest on V Rising for all of us. I feel like I'd rather play this in a lot of our deep dives we've done recently, like Evil West and Steel Rising and Ibn Ob. So I'm like, hey... But Near Automata was kind of better, so kind of below that and above Evil West. Boom. That's where I landed. Where are you at, Paul? I guess you guys are a little higher on it than me. I would have had it down in the late 40s. For me personally, I'd have it somewhere around Tribes of Midgard, Far Cry 5, Raft, uh, High on Life, which I guess 
uh, politically correct. You're yeah. not supposed to bring that up anymore. <laughs> that that deep dive. I'm glad we got that one out yeah, fast <laughs> before there was any controversy. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I was thinking. So it sounds like we're probably going to land somewhere mid to late 30s as a as a compromise. I would have a bit of heartburn putting it above Evil West, but if you want to put it 37. I'd be fine with that. I'm, I think that's a good spot. No, to be that's honest perfect. With you. Yeah, yeah that's okay. That's not too low for you guys. I I don't think so at no. all. I think that's a really good landing spot. Um, it's a good game. I mean, it, you know, yeah. the, and I know 37 sounds like a lot, but we have covered a lot of games. <laughs> yeah. And so my thing is, I just didn't. I would have had heartburn if we'd have put it below V Rising and Lost Ark. So I'm happy where it's at. Yeah, that was kind of Lost Ark was my like. My no go, like it can't be under that game. Yeah. And so anything above that at 43, I think 37 is perfect. Lock it in, baby. <laughs> Bucket. Dude, no game's taken a bigger beating on the leaderboard than Rainbow Six Siege. We have I it at 30, 38 now. That game we had like in the top 10 for a long time. We played a lot of Rainbow Six Siege yeah. and it was a lot of fun with friends. There was a lot of frustration. But I think over time we've kind of just gone. We've I feel soured. Like there's, well, there's better games out there, too. You know, yeah. hackers get that game too oh yeah yeah hackers get everything man one third of people are hacking yeah. <laughs> that's what hackers, we learned on the last episode <laughs> yeah go listen to that one it's fun if you didn't listen to it all right well, we will lock this one in then at 37 i think that's fair and uh that wraps everything up here for today we want to say thank you once again thank you so much to toro for going legendary if you want to pick a game for us to play you can do the same as him or if you want to support at a lower amount just check it out at multiplayersquad.com you'll get bonus episodes no matter what tier you pick along with a shout out on the show also find us on socials everywhere at multiplayer pod and then our next deep dive game is going to be in two weeks it is going to be the resident evil 4 remake which our discord i think like half the people bought and played it there's been a lot of talk on resident evil 4 yeah there there yeah. has i've actually been playing it a lot uh, i'm ready to go guys let's just record it right now <laughs> yeah this <laughs> will be one of the few games that i binge not towards the end of our two-week cycle but at the very beginning i'm going to play it tonight oh i i've i've been waiting i, I, I only wait. played i only played like the first 20 minutes but now that this is recorded i'm gonna jump both feet in on resident evil yeah. 4 i'm so excited All right. And then in the meantime, of course, check out our episodes that release every Monday, Thursday, and Saturday. And until next time, happy gaming. Uh, I was going to have some pirate thing here, but uh, that's dang it. Uh, Bye. (laughs) Oh, boy. I I get to follow that. (laughs) All right. See you, everybody. (laughs) Bye.